Hey, what's going on, podcast land? Matthew Johnson here, back with another edition of Dementia in Black and White. And in this week's episode, we're going to talk about communicating with an individual with dementia and some of the challenges, challenges, I'm having challenges communicating myself, some of the challenges communicating, and then some tips, tricks, on things you can do. So let's get to it. All right, as always, thank you again for listening to this week's edition of Dementia in Black and White, as I essentially just bring you along with me on my journey, taking care of my mother who has dementia and presenting some of the challenges and just presenting some of the solutions that I'm finding along the path and sharing them with you here on this platform. So let's talk about communication and where I am getting the information today is from a book, a resource guide from the National Institute on Aging, NIA, and it's titled Caring for a Person with Alzheimer's Disease. And though it is specific here to Alzheimer's, I would imagine the things that they're talking about would relate to anyone uh, with dementia, just in terms of giving those tips that will help you to be able to communicate with someone with dementia and maybe even any type of mild or moderate cognitive problem. So uh, it's titled Caring for a Person with Alzheimer's Disease and this booklet, 104 pages, so it has a lot of information. So definitely if you are interested in finding it, go to the NIA, National Institute on Aging's website and look into it. There is a lot of good information. I'll just kind of go through some of the topics in the table of contents, caring for a person with Alzheimer's disease, what you or when you need help, the medical side of Alzheimer's disease, coping with the last stages of Alzheimer's disease, caring for yourself. I'll probably come back and do a whole nother podcast on what they have in that chapter. And then it talks about ways and things and options for joining the clinical trial. So this was January of 2019 that it came out, but I'd say the information in it is largely still applicable and very timely, especially if you are at this time seeking information about some of these things and the challenges that you face. And so what I'm going to talk about is this one that talks about communication and changes in communication and what skills that you need to have. And so it talks here about some communication problems that are caused by Alzheimer's disease. And again, I'm going to broadly say dementia. An individual having trouble finding the right word when speaking. Can't tell you how many times mom will start a sentence and just get stuck where she wants to say something. And sometimes she'll give enough lead in where you can finish the thought and help out. But oftentimes 
it's early in the thought. And, you know, it's not like a person with a stutter where you, you know, they say enough and they get to a particular word that they're trying to say and you know what they're trying to say. And by the way, you're not supposed to interject when someone has a stutter, by the way. You should allow them to finish their sentence. But with someone with Alzheimer's disease, uh, that will be an issue. They'll just forget, you know, even what they're trying to say or get confused about what they are trying to say. Some other communication problems, understanding what words mean, paying attention during long conversations. I would not expect at this point that my mother is in the moderate stages of the disease, but I would imagine maybe in the early stages as well, long conversations and really any activity that is going to be you know, 30, 45 minutes is probably something that will be a challenge to someone with dementia. A loss of train of thought, trouble remembering steps in common activities such as cooking a meal, doing laundry, getting dressed, those types of things. And frustration when the communication goes off rails. Those are some of the challenges. And now they go on to talk about how to cope with some of these challenges in the communication process with someone with dementia, making eye contact to get the person's attention and call them by name. That's going to be much better than kind of touching the person, sneaking up on them from behind. Uh, Be aware of your tone and how loud your voice is and your body language. And I can't say enough about that tip. My mother, and I don't know if this is just how she's always been. I haven't spent as much time with her as I'm spending with her now. But for sure, she picks up on body language and tone. And in fact, she's very sensitive to it. There are times when, you know, I may say something kind of quickly, but to her, it'll come across as me snapping at her and she'll you know, kind of apologize for upsetting me. You know, I didn't mean to make you mad or whatever. And it's not that I had gotten mad, but just the interpretation of the tone. You have to be very careful. Whereas if you're talking to someone who doesn't have dementia, they may be able to discern the nuance in your tone or put it together that you're speaking louder to, you know, talk over some background noise, a television or something that's going on in the background. But for someone with dementia, the interpretation will be a little more kind of just direct and uh, maybe not getting any nuance. So you have to be mindful of that. And I can tell you, it has just been interesting to see my pick up on my body language there have been times when I've been just, you know, in the room sitting with her and then my mind would wander off into something else. So I'd be deep in thought about something and she'll ask what's wrong. You know, everything OK. Like She picks the, picks up on that very subtle type stuff, but she is very locked in to body language and, you know, little things, you know, just uh, I don't know, that sixth sense or whatever. It is stronger, I think, um, here lately. Um, 
Again, another step here, it says encourage two-way conversation for as long as possible. And so, you know, that can just get frustrating for me sometimes, just because, of course, the conversation doesn't stay on topic. And, you know, if you're talking about doing this for you know any extended period of time, it, it can be frustrating for me. For her, she might lose her train of thought and get confused, but then go on into talking about something else. Or if there's something on television, we could literally be talking about something, you know, that I might think is important or interesting. And then something pops on the television and she'll just start talking about that as if that were just flowing in our conversation. And so trying to keep up with that two way conversation can be difficult for the caregiver as well as the individual. Um, And then it says use other methods besides speaking. So instead of just verbal communication and nonverbal, it says things such as gentle touching. So, you know, maybe uh, holding the person's hand or touching the person's shoulder Having that connection is always good. And then it talks about if there's a need to distract, because sometimes just having a conversation with the mom will get into a a loop. She'll ask about some bill that she's worried about not getting paid. I'm not sure why that comes up almost every day. Uh, you know, are my bills paid? Did the bills come in? Did you check the mail? She did used to do that quite a bit at the last house she lived in and the mailbox was across the street. So she'll always talk about, did you get across the street and check the mail or my bills paid? So that's for whatever reason, something that's top of mind for her. And so talks about distracting the individual. If it is necessary to get out of a a loop like that with your loved one. And that is something that I've had some success with. So, you know, Got a bag of lollipops, you know, offer a lollipop to help just change the thought process going for a walk. The mailbox is no longer across the street. It's actually up the street a little bit now in a bank of mailboxes. So getting out, especially if it's a nice day, get some sun, taking a walk or even the bowling, do a little bowling activity with the water bottles and a little sponge ball. You know, these types of things can just help to distract the person and get them out of a communication loop if that has happened, if that happens. And then it talks about being patient with angry outbursts because the individual, of course, may get frustrated as well with their inability to think of a word or think of a phrase or think of what's going on. And this I haven't had. A lot of experience with mine. The only time I've seen her have an outburst was when there was just too much noise going on in the house. And she literally screamed, shut up, (laughs) real loud. This was at Thanksgiving. There were about eight people who were doing, you know, karaoke and, you know, just a bunch of activity going on. And so too much noise, obviously. And she just was frustrated angry and let us know that it was time to cut back on some of that loud craziness that was going on. So, but the key for us as caretakers is just to be patient with any of that. If there are angry outbursts and recognize that that is the illness 
that is speaking, that that is not the individual, that is not your loved one. And then it talks about some of the things that you should not do. And so do not give complex instructions. Try to do little simple things. I have her often help me cook. And instead of saying, Mom, would you mind putting the tuna salad together while I work on this? It is, Mom, would you mind getting the onions out of the refrigerator? And then would you mind cutting the onions? And then would you mind adding this you know, miracle whip or whatever, you know, breaking things down one step at a time. And she really does enjoy helping out. No question about it. She still wants to do that, still wants to be a good hostess. And she'll often say, you know, I was going to cook something for you. I didn't know you were coming, you know, all this. She just still has that mindset of wanting to be that doting mother. And so any chance that I can get to, incorporate her to have her, you know, once the food is made, have her make the plates and dish it out and whatnot. Let her do that type of stuff. Get the forks and knives together in terms of the utensils for eating. Definitely helps. Um, It says don't use baby talk or talk in a baby voice. Boy, I got to tell you, this is a tip that some of these caregivers need to learn about. That's how I can tell immediately when one of the you know caregivers that come to sit with her that they don't have that training that they oh would you like to come over here and get something to eat now? Oh man, I just start shaking my head and like would you like to not have a job anymore because you don't know how to talk to people? is what I'm thinking when I hear it. But it is just condescending, of course, which, you know, that whole language of you become the parent and the parent becomes the child might feed into that. So avoiding even that language and certainly avoiding talking in a baby voice or using baby talk to an individual because just as they can pick up on all your nonverbals in terms of how you're feeling and how you're meaning something when you say it, whether or not, you know, the words match, they're paying attention not to just the words, but the tone and the affect and the body language of what's going on. I mean, you talk in a baby voice and condescending, the person with dementia is absolutely thinking, who in the hell are you talking to like that? They might not say that. And some might, I don't know. But they definitely are picking up what you're putting down. So don't do that. Don't talk in a baby voice. And then it gives some examples of how to say things in a way that won't, you know, get the person um, upset. So instead of pointing out mistakes, it says you say, let's try it this way. Instead of saying you did this wrong or that's not the way I wanted you to cut that, let's try it this way. Please do this is what you can say. What you can say instead of don't do that, right? And then thanks for being helpful. Thanks for helping me out, mom. Even if the help required you to do some cleanup or straightening up behind it, just being that encouraging person. Uh, and 
it works. I'm here to tell you all of it helps to not just get a task done, which is important, but also to make the connection with your loved one. And at the end of the day, that's really what we want to do. Anytime you can make a connection, slight connections, little things, they help to make the day go by that much easier. So that's it. Some communication tips on how to communicate with someone with Alzheimer's and this booklet from the National Institute of Aging. A lot of good information there. Go to their website. Check it out. I want to thank you for listening to this week's edition of Dementia in Black and White. Until next time, take care of your loved one. Absolutely. You need to do that. No question about it. But also, take care of yourself, mental and physical. It's important. Until next time, I'm out.